Welcome to the PeaceWorks Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Moles. I'm a pastor and biblical counselor who helps churches and families confront the evil of domestic violence and promote healthy, God-honoring relationships. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the PeaceWorks Podcast. On today's episode, we're going to continue our discussion with contributors of our new book, Caring for Families Caught in Domestic Abuse, a guide towards protection, refuge, and hope. And if you're this far along into the podcast series and you haven't bought the book yet, shame on you. It's time to go to New Growth Press or Amazon or the guy down the street that sells your books and pick up a copy of Caring for Families Caught in Domestic Abuse. And if you haven't picked up, I have recorded several of these in a row, and I'm a little giddy, so I'm glad I have friends to hold me accountable. So once again, uh, Greg Wilson, Kirsten Christensen are with us today on the PeaceWorks podcast. Welcome, friends. Thank you for being here. You're welcome, and thank you. So uh, one of the things I really appreciate about the book and the, um, the team that we were able to put together to construct the book is how it models a community-coordinated response or a team-based approach uh, to domestic abuse ministry. And I would love to talk to you guys a little bit about how we take that approach to the church and maybe specifically how we involve our pastors, leaders, elders, deacon, however our church governance works in engaging them in the process, because I know both of you have experience in doing that. So let's just start the ball rolling with that. What are some of the benefits, I guess, or maybe some of the pitfalls of not, what are some of the benefits of involving our leaders and maybe some of the pitfalls when our leaders don't get involved? Yeah. So, uh, benefits I think are, uh, you know, I said this in the other podcast, but I'll say it again. My friend from Alabama, her daddy says, all of us are smarter than one of us. Um, or as the Bible says, there is wisdom in the counsel of many. So um, the, one of the benefits of a team-based approach is that you have the wisdom and life experience of a, a, a range of people so that we don't, no one gets co-opted, number one. Um, also, sometimes we, have, we all have blindnesses, even those of us that are in domestic abuse ministry, we have blindnesses. We can be... Um, fooled by things as well, or we can get too involved in some ways. And so when there's a team, then there's less, that's less likely that that's going to happen. So that's one of the benefits, one of the strong benefits. Absolutely. And a, a danger, you know, when, when you mentioned, you know, the, uh, the flip side of that, I thought of a couple of things. One is, um, the opposite of what Kirsten just said that like, you know, I mean, if, if you, um, if you if you don't have if you don't have good strong involvement from the church, um, you're you're probably um, you know likely to to miss some things, especially in you know the, walking with people who are church members through you know a very difficult season. Um, the other the other thing that I thought about is that there's a real there's a real danger of like people speaking into something that they don't um, understand. And so it is important um, for 
um, church leadership, I'll put it this way. It's important for church leadership to be involved, to have buy-in. I know Kirsten would say that. I've heard her say it many times. Um, and um, it's also important for them to be trained um, and to, to understand the dynamics. Um, buy-in without training um, is not helpful. Um, and honestly, training without buy-in is much better. Um, you know, so I, I think you've got to, you've really got to have both. Another benefit to the team approach is, um, particularly for churches, because we're, we want to talk about church leadership and churches getting involved is that you, you are shepherding your own people. Um, and the more that there are things that are happening in your congregation, in your flock, that are hard things. So we now know all kinds of issues that come up in the church congregation that certainly we didn't have back in biblical times that were that pastors are now having to wrestle with. And if we refer all of those things out, pretty soon everybody else is shepherding the flock except the elders or the deacons or whoever is actually called to shepherd the flock. And so it's a great way to for 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 leaders to be able to continue to do what God has tasked them with doing. Yeah. That's a great point because I think a lot of us we tried to reclaim rightfully so. We tried to reclaim biblical ministry because as a pastor, I know I had this sense early on in my my pastoral ministry life is that the people around me did not know what I did. And really I was limited to marrying people, burying people, praying and preaching. And so the ministry of the word to a lot of my people was very foreign. And so we literally had to educate our people on how to be shepherded. And so I know there was a real push to reclaim some of that. And I think one of the dangers there guys is in reclaiming that. I think maybe we've lost the art of collaboration because maybe we're afraid to refer. And so I get this pushback a lot. I'll play devil's advocate and you guys can respond to it. You know, I'll get this pushback, but Chris, our leaders have failed us in this area so many times. Why should the church even be involved? Hmm. Greg, do you want to go? Well, here's the thought I had, and then uh, I think we were both kind of maybe about to say the same thing. I don't know, but like uh, my initial thought is, well, hey, the church is already involved, right? So you're, um, you're a member of a church. And there is an issue going on that um, uh, is, if we're talking about abuse, is affecting another person who is a member or an attender. You might not be members, but your husband and wife, both partners are, in most cases, I think that we're talking about both members of the same church. Um, You know, the church is already involved. and even honestly, if they're not members of the same church, by virtue of the fact that like someone that is under your discipleship structure, someone who you are supposed to be like speaking into their life is either um, being harmed or doing the harming puts you involved. So you can't not be involved. But on the other side of that, as a counselor in private practice that is sometimes on the receiving end of those referrals, what I can say is there are also good resources in most communities. I'm not going to speak for, I mean, I know every community is different, but 
hopefully there are good local resources that the church can avail itself of. They don't have to do it um, alone. So they're going to have to be involved, but they definitely do not have to be lone rangers in terms of the way that they do that. Kirsten? Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I would say, um, again, if if we're talking right now about a family who's in the church, who attends the church, and the question is, should the church be involved? They already are. And the degree, the degree to which they're involved depends on the trust that members have for the leadership. And also leadership is willing to step into even things that they um, maybe aren't trained in right then. So one thing, I think you're right about the training. And at the same time, I would say the only way that the three, the three of us got training was we got thrown into the deep end, right? Um, and nobody was really doing what any of us were doing at that time. We, that's how Greg and I met. Greg reached out and was like, hey, we, we hear you're doing something up there. Can we talk? Because Chris was our link. And, um, and so I do, I do want to say like, yep, read books, read our book, read Darby's book, read Greg's book, Greg and Jeremy's book, read Chris's book, read Joy's book. Um, but really how you get good at all of this, how you get more and more helpful, biblically helpful, because we, that's very important to all of us in this book, is by actually doing ministry, this kind of ministry. Um, you're not going to do it perfectly, but you are shepherding the flock that is among you then. And at the same time, do look into your local resources. Um because that is the beautiful thing being in, from the church side, I'll just say to be able to go to local resources like um, counselors or agencies, um, particularly when you end up having to work with like CPS because there's things going on with the kids. Um, they are always amazed at the church is willing to get involved sure. in this, in these types of situations. And I think it actually upholds uh the cause of Christ when we in, invite them in. Very good. I would totally agree. You guys are killing it. Let's try Let's try another one. Let's see how you do with this, <laughs> with this one. Greg mentioned a second ago, two elements, two, two aspects of uh, leadership involvement. And the first is buy-in. So how do we go about that? How do we help? And I get this a lot. Hey, how do I get my pastor? You don't get your pastor to do anything. Right, you can invite them. So, what are some ways that you guys have had success in building leadership involvement and gaining leadership buy-in in the past? Greg, you want to go first? Sure. Well, I mean, here's my here's my off the cuff response to that, Chris. Um, there's, I think that you get buy-in. In my experience, I've seen churches get buy-in one of two ways. They either get buy-in because they, to Kirsten's point, they get thrown in the deep end of the pool because they've got a situation and they have to be bought into it because they're already in it and they have to like try to figure it out. Or, and this is my preferred option, this is not what happened to me, by the way, I don't think it's what happened to Kirsten either, but like all of us would advocate for like, do do it this way. This is the right way to do it. recognize that it's out there, pay attention to trainings. And I mean, right now there's so much good stuff out there. CCEF has their conference on trauma coming up. That's going to be great. 
Um, there's this book and other books. There's lots of great material that's out there. Pay attention to the fact that the, there's a conversation happening in the culture that the church needs to understand because what's going on in the culture is also happening within its walls. And if the church can get ahead of that and say, hey, we need to get some good training on this. Yes, we want it to be biblical and and theologically robust and all those things. Yes and amen. And we, But we just want to make sure that we get good training on this thing because even though, and bless you if this is your situation, um, I, I think it's probably going to change. But like if you're in the situation where like you haven't seen it yet, get out ahead of it because you will be seeing it. It yeah. will be showing up on your door. And that's the better way of just like saying, I want, I want our church to be um, equipped to serve the body in, in all of the ways that we see stuff happening out in the culture, because the stuff that's happening out in the culture is also happening within our walls. And we just need to be aware of that. So that's, that's my thought. Kirsten, what would you add? Yep. I agree. And I think I, I keep, I've been thinking the last few days as I knew this podcast was coming up, thinking about the New Testament and how the elders um, said, you know what, there are needs in the body and we need deacons. Yep. We need people to help because there are different things coming up and we can't do everything. Um, And so I think as we are in all of us in the church right now, um, if you're in a biblically robust church, you're looking around at the culture and everybody's a little frightened of where we're headed and what's going on. And, uh, And it's foolishness to think that those things aren't happening in the body. We just have seen that pornography is at the same level, um, pretty much in the church as outside the church. Um, We've got drug abuse, addictions of all different kinds, um, idolatry, whatever you want to call that. And so if you want to be in a position where you are um, shepherding your people, which most elders and deacons and pastors that I know do want to shepherd their people, um, then, then that, that's the answer is, is pick up one book and read about it. And then I guarantee that once you read one book, all of a sudden you're going to see something different in that marriage counseling situation, or when a woman or a man comes forward, you will now have eyes to see different things that you hadn't seen before. And so the buy-in piece, I think, is more, um, I like what you said, uh, Chris, in saying, you know what, you can't make your pastor do anything, and that's not a great that's not a great foundation. But to say, hey, I read this book, or I heard this podcast, would you be willing to listen to this? I'm wondering about this, or I've experienced this. Can we just start talking about this right. now? Right. Um, and invite conversation. Very good. I mean, I, I think it is the, the difference maker in a church's engaged involvement. I have been around this work for a long time now and listeners, I can tell you that I've known many domestic abuse ministries and I've known many women in particular who have toiled away and done really faithful work with zero resources and zero support and God bless them. They continue to be engaged in their local church, even though their local church for lack of a better word, tolerated them, right? And once you find a leader that buys in, those ministries are transformed almost overnight. 
not not saying that the leader has any magic formula, but that level of endorsement changes the perception, the amount of volunteers and the resources that are available to that ministry. So if you're a leader listening, uh, I would really encourage you to do as uh, my friends have, have suggested, to read, to listen, to continue your education, which brings me to my second point, um, which is training. And you guys have already hit on that a little bit. But if you were going to, you know, have a genie or snap your fingers or do whatever had to had to be done to make the magic happen, what would you want to see at the local church level by way of training to equip the elders and the church leaders in this important work? Well, can I, maybe I want to give one caveat here before I, I answer, and then I, I'd love to hear Greg as well. But one caveat I would say is that um, uh I think sometimes with domestic abuse or any kind of uh, suffering that's happening in the body that is significant, um, when that's the thing that comes across our window, we get very passionate about that. And it's like, we've got to have a ministry. We've got to have this and address that. And I do think that we do need to continue to be trained in in anything that comes across our, our eyesight at the same time, I think it's important to recognize like pornography is a big deal. Um, there needs to be training about how to walk alongside people who are caught in that, um, single moms or, uh, addictions, all of those things. So when you start to talk about that, you realize that elders have a lot on their plate that we're saying, Hey, you need to be trained. You need to become proficient at this. Well, I can honestly sit here and think of at least 10 things that elders need to need to be proficient on. And I just want to say that's a, it, it, it is hard being an elder pastor deacon today. Yes. Um, having said that, I do think that um, we, you know, in, in the church that I have been involved in, we had Chris come in at first. Um, John Henderson came in. Darby Strickland came in. And then as elders became involved and got um, more and more educated, then they were able to say, this is what our church can do. And this is how we're going to set this up. It's going to look different in every church. Um, it, there's so many factors that impact domestic abuse care in the church. Um, so size, I, I have this personal opinion now that a church of three to 400 is absolutely the perfect size to address domestic abuse in their church, because you're big enough to have some resources, but small enough that you don't get caught in the red tape wheel. So I think having some people come in and just starting that conversation and saying, here's some things to think about. I think when Chris came in you remember, Chris, at that time, the bulk of your work had still been when you were working in the civic arena. And we realized, oh, wait, when you're working in churches, if we're going to start doing this in churches, that's a different thing. The guys that you were ministering to at that point had been adjudicated guilty. And so all you had to do with like, you had a captive audience. Mm -hmm. In a church, there's some work that has to be done. And it says, we're going to first establish strong safety and then we're going to walk this out and see what actually is going on. And we want to give the appropriate help. And so even having training 
to identify like in the church, how are we going to establish what's going on and make sure that safety is uh, provided and then that the whole family gets good care. That takes a lot of work and um, maybe more than one round of training. Yeah, it does. <laughs> maybe. The, biblical, the biblical model is uh, Ephesians 4, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, church leaders are given the mandate to equip the saints right. for the works of service, right? And so what that means is all of these things that Kirsten has just uh, enumerated and more are things that we find in our church, that she finds in her church, that Chris finds in his church, um, and there need to be lanes of care, um, you know, for appropriate lanes of care for each one of those areas, which means that, again, there does have to be training um, in care in general and care in some of those specific areas, um, and to know you can't do it alone. And again, there are local resources local counselors, local agencies that would be happy to come alongside you. Um, and so take advantage of those as well. Absolutely. Yep. Maybe another great place to start listener is to get ready for it. Pick up this new book, Caring for Families <laughs> Caught in Domestic Abuse, A Guide Towards Protection, Refuge, and Hope. And you can find that right now. It's available. Uh, continue to, to be part of the PeaceWorks podcast. Uh, be sure if you're listening on one of the major platforms to rate, review, subscribe, follow, whatever the platform asks you to do, let them know that you appreciate the PeaceWorks podcast. And we so appreciate you, listener, for being a part of our conversations. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we can't wait to to talk to you again. Until next time, God bless.